Hello, everyone, and welcome to Journey to Success Radio, a show featuring people and companies who are making a positive contribution to the world. This show will help you learn how to apply success principles in every area of your life so that you can make the most out of your skills and talents and accomplish more of your goals. To find out more about the show, please visit www.journeytosuccessradio.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Journey to Success Radio. My name is Tom Tutal Cunningham. I'm a Napoleon Hill Foundation certified instructor and resiliency expert. My purpose is to encourage people to live positively through the many and varied challenges of life. You can find out more about me in this interview at the radio website, which is journeytosuccessradio.com. Co-hosting with me today is the amazing Jim Shorkey. Jim, uh, introduce yourself, and then uh, we'll get to introduce our guest. So my name is Jim Shorkey, and you know my claim to fame in the Pittsburgh market is uh, six car dealerships. Actually, it's until seven. My my uh, boys just bought another dealership, a fresh above Jeep and truck dealership. So it's actually seven. And um, you know what I did is, uh, you know, in a situation where I was uh, in really deep, deep trouble, bankruptcy was imminent in my business back in 1998. I I uh, decided to finally implement uh, Napoleon Hill's principles of thinking we're rich, and I impl- implemented them 100% with no deviation. And uh, lo and behold, uh, my results started to shift a little bit, you know, just a little bit, and that, and that gave me hope. And so I implemented stronger and stronger and stronger. And over a period of time, it just went to incredible, incredible results. And it started off one dealership, 40 employees, uh, 800 good news vehicles sold per year. Today, that number is uh, six dealerships, 400 employees, and 8,000 vehicles per year. And, and very quickly, with this new acquisition, it will go to 10,000 per year. So it's just an amazing, amazing consequence. But I, I credit it to uh, Napoleon Hill and his teachings, and they, they apply to so much in life that no matter what it is, health, wealth, love, happiness, and spirit, you apply Napoleon Hill's principles to one of those five areas or, or all five, and you'll see the results similar to what I got. So that's my story. Amazing. Amazing. Thanks, Jim. And people can find Jim at resultsfromthinking.com. Now, our guest today is someone that myself and probably hundreds of thousands of people of North America have shouted at or questioned, might even have sworn at him. (laughs) Dr. Jim Tunney has a doctorate in education from the University of Southern California. He's a former high school principal and district superintendent. However, He's widely and best known for his 31 years as an NFL referee. He worked four Super Bowls as well as many memorable games. And he is currently on the NFL officiating staff in the role of trainer. Jim has educated, motivated, and entertained audiences for over four decades, working with corporations and associations all over the world. A speaker who will make an audience listen learn and walk away with any with information that will enrich their lives both personally and professionally. He is also a Hall of Fame speaker with the National Speakers Association and was a past president of the Nas- National Speakers Association. Welcome to the show today, Jim. 
Tom, thank you very much. The Napoleon Hill has been very influential in my life. I old, I'm old enough to, I think I went to school with Napoleon Hill. You know, <laughs> you would be very fortunate if you did. That'd be cool to be able to say that. You know, so. Now, Jim, uh, let's start off. I want to recognize my friend Phil Taylor. Jim uh, Shorty interviewed him and I a few uh, last week, and the reason I got to know you is because of Phil and uh, his. You were featured on his uh, program, uh, audio program, The 17 Biblical Principles of Success. Any Napoleon Hill Foundation fans know that there's 17 success principles that Hill identified. And so now Phil has identified the 17 Biblical Principles of Success. And uh, I think their website 17 Biblical Principles of Success.org. So go on to that and check it out. Uh, Jim, pretty exciting. Uh, I've watched NFL for so many years, and uh, I don't think many people remember referees' names, but when you've been around for so many years, the name gets embedded in your head, and so I think you're the only NFL referee whose name I actually know just off the top of my head. So uh, congratulations on that, and Jim Shorkey, why don't you start off with a question for, uh, for Jim? Yeah, and so I just have one question. I mean, I have all kinds of questions and all kinds of information. But I just, man, watching the video, different videos online, what am I, I, mean, I can't even begin to describe how far out are you are from my level, you know. So what I would like to, because you're, you're, you're a technician, you're, you're a scientist, you're a go by the, by the A, B, C, D, each rule and all that. If you were to pick, if you can only pick one rule, one rule out of all your rules that you would say, this rule is the most important, best possible, you've got to have this rule in there, and you can only pick one, what would that one rule be that you would pick to say, this we have to do, and it's the most important one? Is that for speaking, Phil? Or Jim, I mean? Just for living, you know, just for okay. life. What's the first thing, most important thing in your incredible journey of success? You would say this is the most important one. Well, for me, and 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 Phil asked me to to focus on that topic was the self control. That if you can't control yourself, you certainly can't control or help other people. And my job on the football field was to, in the middle of twenty two very <laughs> large human beings who are trying to knock each other down, to make the rules safe enough and make the game safe enough. And my job was to. When they get excited, and it's a very emotional game, the NFL football, when they get excited, I can't do that. I've got to just keep me keep myself under control. In order to keep the game under control, I've got to start with me. And I think in life, anything you do, as a school teacher, as a high school principal, which I was in the inner cities for 10 years, uh, you, you've got to control yourself. You keep your emotions under control, keep your mind under control before you can help other people maintain their self-control. Mm. You know, it's interesting you would say that. It really is. It's incredibly interesting. I find it to be captivating. And I've discovered over, you know, I've read Thinking Grow Rich 104 times. And, you know, what is the secret of the book and, and, and how does it work and all that. And so my conclusion that the secret to the book, Thinking Grow Rich, is that I, Jim Shorkey, must take possession of my own mind and direct it to end my own choice. And I, I must, I must, I must. I'm going to say that affirmation. I say that 20, 30 times a day, every day. And um, you know, I must take possession of my own mind and direct it to the hands of my own choice. And that really is, that's it. That's self-control. And it's funny that, I guess it isn't funny. It's just, uh, to me, it's amazing that you would answer the question in that way because that really is the, uh, 
the secret of success. It you know, really is. That's the secret of success, I think at least. And so, boy, we're in agreement on that one. That's, that's really cool. <laughs> Thank you for that. I appreciate that. That's really me. I, I always like to learn. So many people are involved in leadership, and the only way you can lead others is to be sure that you can lead yourself. You lead yourself first, and then you have the ability to help others lead them. But if you can't lead yourself or self-control in your emotions and deal things with a you know, on the football field, the people yelling and screaming at me as a referee. I, I can't yell and scream back at him. You can't fight fire with fire is the old expression. But it's trite because it's true. You have to maintain almost like a Zen philosophy, allow it to come through you and not to you. And and, uh, and that way you maintain your own self-image and self-control. Amen. That's fabulous. Amen. Yeah, and I, I, I mean, I couldn't agree with you more. I think that really is the secret is uh, self-control and um and really figuring out, you know, beyond even self-control, you know, what is what is it that you really, really, really want? Figuring that out, and then what's the best strategy to get you there? Which goes back to, you've got to, you've got to direct it, man. You're the director in, in your own movie, and you know, how are you going to take control of your life going forward and and create the results that you want? And it really is doable. People don't realize that, but it really is. It's doable, very doable. Excellent. Yes, uh, Jim. Let's talk about uh, uh, a phrase that uh, I think you invented that I saw in the uh, clubhouse of our locker room of the Pittsburgh Penguins, uh, currently in the Stanley Cup playoffs, uh, and it has they're the word. The Stanley Cup playoffs, Tom. They're not in the Stanley Cup playoffs. They're in the Stanley Cup finals. Finals. Okay. Finals. 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 Right. They're in the finals. There's no more playoffs. As a Canadian, I'm... Wait a minute, wait a minute. You're on the east side of the country. Now I'm on the west side of the country. I'm in the San Jose Sharks area, so you don't understand. There's two people involved in this championship. Are they still in the playoffs? I'm trying to think. There's now one nothing I'm going to take it, yeah. We'll find out tonight. Right. I saw in the Penguins dressing room, I saw the word team. Together, everyone accomplishes more. And I believe that saying came from you. And talk about that. Uh, you were a referee in a team sport uh, for 31 years. Talk a little bit about together everyone accomplishes more as a, as a philosophy of a team. I, uh, I'm not sure I can take the uh, original credit for it because uh, I have not trademarked it. But I have a bookmark that I've been using for about 25 years uh, with my picture on the front with uh, giving a, a signal for starting and ready for play. And on the back it says T-E-A-M. In, the, in articles I write, I write a weekly blog called On the Tunny Side of Sports. And almost everyone, I use the word team. Together everyone accomplishes more. From sports angle, uh, there's, there's no greater uh, example of teamwork than 11 guys in a football game. 11 guys doing 11 different jobs for one purpose. And then I use team as sort of like, like the fist. I have five fingers that are all very important to me. When I bring me a finger, my hand together as a fist, my five fingers are stronger as a fist than they are individually. And so that's what we think we tell people and help people understand that if you will help other people become what they are and, and, and support you and you support them. And that's why I think the... Uh, 
Golden State Warriors has have worked together so well in teamwork. I think that's why the Penguins and the Sharks are going to work together and, and win more and be more successful if they'll just work with each other and everybody's part of that team. Nobody more important than anybody else. In basketball, we said it doesn't make any difference who makes the basket. As long as the basket gets made, you don't have to take individual mm-hmm. credit for it. But that's why they say so much about assists, giving, passing the ball to a player who makes the basket. That's a very important statistic in, in basketball. It's the same way in football. You can't have a great running back like a Pittsburgh Steeler, Franco Harris, for example, that can run for a touchdown without somebody doing the blocking for him. So it's that way in almost everything you do in, your, in the office where you work together. Everybody's important in the office, whether you empty the waste baskets or whether you're the CEO, everybody is important for that job. Right. Yeah, and you're 100% right. And I think from an executive perspective, from a CEO perspective, a truly, truly successful CEO recognizes that fact and, you know, makes a big deal about the guy emptying the garbage can because, you know what, that's an important job or the guy cleaning the floors or the guy, you know, greeting the customers or whomever the case may be. And the good CEOs really understand that philosophy, and it's it's cool. But yeah, that's great. Yeah, great stuff. That is more as much a it's more of a concept for the upper level. Uh, I guess everyone has to practice it, but uh, the people on the top have to practice it and put it in and 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 recognize people more than people on the bottom. Um, everyone's important, but it's the top of the ladder that has to recognize the bottom of the ladder. But Jimmy, you know that uh, that that salesman who sells the the automobiles that you uh, deal with uh, is a very important person. But that salesman doesn't operate very well if the mechanic who's not doing the car, who is not correcting the car or making it run properly. A mechanic is equally important, and yet some people look at it as a mechanic as lesser important than the salesman. You, you can't do that in a team environment. Everybody's important to the success of that sale of the automobile. Right. Yeah, in actuality, in, in my way of thinking, and, and this maybe sounds a little counter to what you're saying, I think the technicians are way more important than the salesman because we have a philosophy in our <laughs> business that the salesperson sells you the first car, the technician sells you the second car. So we put a premium, a priority on our technicians because Good. that's the – that's the backbone of the business. I mean, without those offensive linemen, I mean, you know, um, sure. Ben Roethlisberger is not worth a crap without. And then he's proven that it's not his fault. I mean, if he's getting tackled in two seconds, I mean, he's done. And so those offensive linemen, I mean, they're the boy. They're, they're, they they really are more important than Ben Roethlisberger because without them, you know, we're screwed. That's <laughs> the truth. So uh, I, I think those uh, the boy the. Guy, guys that are doing the, the grunt work, the tough work, they're they're fine. We really recognize them as being the most important people in the place because uh, man, I just believe that. I really do. I think sometimes we, we put too much priority on the quarterback and not enough priority on the offensive linemen, in my opinion, at least. It works, it works that way in the family, too. Everybody in the family, whether you're a 5-year-old child or a 50-year-old parent, everybody, if the parent makes the child feel important, helps the child feel that they're part of the family, the family will function a lot better. Right. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Well, you know, and 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 back to my original point when we first started talking, it's uh, in my in my world, it's about health, wealth, love, happiness, and spirit. And you put those five five together and do those five the right way. Now you have a life well lived. And you know, so many people that are crazy wealthy, they've got money coming out of their ears, but they don't have their health. And so, what good is sure. that? You know, or they don't have their love. Sure. I mean, so it's got to be, in my opinion, at least, it's got to be those five 
pillars that uh, drive everything. Health, love, love, happiness, and spirit. Amen. Now, uh, Jim, uh, you work, you're a Hall of Fame speaker. You are a president of the National Speakers Association. It might be a little bit unfair to ask you, but is there two or three speakers that you really, that really touch you more than others? And uh, what books, uh, name a couple of books that are like at the top of your uh, books uh, list that you've read in your life? I think probably Earl Nightingale's uh, The Secret of Success is one of the most important <laughs> ones that I've ever read. Earl, mm-hmm. as you know, uh, ran the Nightingale Conant factory for years in the Poet Hills, very port, important part of that production, right. uh, along with uh, W. Clement Stone. Uh, but beside, and Earl lived out here in California, in Carmel, California, uh, the last few years of his life, and so he and I had a chance to have lunch together probably six or eight times, and it was wow. a great honor for me to work with Earl Nightingale. And I think if I could mention one other one, and that would be Og Mandino. Og and I oh, became very close great, friends over great, the years. Great, great. And Og's yep. material is just incredible. I was honored by Betty Mandino to do the eulogy for Og when he passed away wow. uh, some years ago. And uh, it, was, it was just a great honor to know Burrow Nightingale and Og Mandino that well. Wow, wow. I, ha- I was blessed to interview Paul Blanchard, who Betty... Uh, Mandino asked to take over his works and his books and his mission and uh, so now Paul Blanchard owns the ogmandino.com website and and perpetuates Og's name and boy uh, what an amazing story he was and publisher or uh, editor of Success Magazine uh, uh, and all of his books are amazingly powerful easy to read but powerful at the same time yeah. Going with what Jim said earlier about the uh, Jim, you mentioned in the beginning about uh, facing bankruptcy and things like that. If you know Augmentino's story, where he was uh, down to twenty nine dollars in his pocket and thought about buying a, a gun in a store that he saw in Cleveland and thought maybe he would just uh, take his life because things were going so wrong, and he turned it around. And I think that could happen to anybody, anybody who's having a downtime like that. If they'll read books with uh, for Earl Nightingale or Og Mandino or others, some great speakers, some great authors that have done so many good things, they can do the same thing. And Og says that all the time. You know, I wasn't anybody special. And then he became the editor of Success Magazine. So in all the things that he's done, it's an incredible uh, bounce-back story. Very yeah. powerful. Yeah, I mean... Og Mandino, one of his stories is, a, no matter what the story is, it's always an epiphany. It really is. I mean, every single one of them, you know, uh, The Greatest Salesman in the World, Part 1 and 2, just they're epiphany books. They really are. Boy, yeah, Og Mandino is one of my favorites. Um, love that guy, you know, and uh, a great still friend, love him because yeah. the, the neat thing about the food, we still get to watch him. Like, you know, we still get to read his books and watch him, and, you know, he's, mm-hmm. he's definitely, he's more with us than the average living person by a long shot. <laughs> Right, think about right. it. You know, Napoleon, right. like Napoleon Hill's still with us. I mean, I'm still talking to Napoleon Hill. I talk to Napoleon Hill every day. Every day right. I talk to Napoleon Hill. Right. Right. Now, uh, Jim, one of your uh, topics that you speak about, one of your speaking topics, probably one of the most important one, is your customer care program and the customer care experience. Uh, talk a little bit about that. Uh, you talk a lot about... Uh, 
I, I heard Zig say it a lot uh, because I listen to him a lot. Customers don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And talk I about that. that very strongly. Yeah, I believe it very strongly. As a as a high school principal, my customers were the kids. Um, we had. 2,200 kids in school, senior high school, and sit downtown Los Angeles. And my customers were the kids, and and they didn't care how much I was. They didn't care about being an NFL referee or any of that. They wanted to know, do you care about me? I ask audiences all the time, uh, many of you are parents, and and you you care about your kids. When's the last time that your son asked you, hey, Dad, what was your SAT scores in school? What was your GPA? They don't care about that. They care about dad, mom, do you love me? Do you care about me? And the customers are the same way. And kids in school, you had to establish, I felt as a principal, through the teachers and everybody on the staff, including the the, the, the staff of, of secretaries and custodians and all that. Do you care about the kids? Do you care enough to do your job really well and make the school the best environment they, they have? I've had kids tell me for years, you know, my home life is very good. The best place I come every day is the five or six or seven hours I'm here at school. And so we'll make that school the best we can. The same thing happened on the football field. The the players are, I'm not there to call fouls or to, to penalize people. I'm there to help to provide the safety of the, of the, of the game. And I have to be sure that the players understand that I'm there for their safety, not just to, to penalize them. But it's important that they, you can show examples of caring about them. And that's important, important to do. And they have to have that feeling that you will care about them. If you do, as a, as a salesperson, if the customer knows that you can care about really care about them and not the product that you're selling, they'll, they'll be involved yeah. in the product. And, and I'm sure Jimmy will find that every day. Yeah, I, you, couldn't, you couldn't be any more right about that if you tried. I mean, it's... Um, so, so the Jim Shorty Family Auto Group, we have three uh, fundamental goals, and I'll speak to your point there, Jim. Three fundamental goals, and these are really important goals to us. Number one goal of the Jim Shorty Family Auto Group is to love the customer, and I do mean love, L-O-V-E, the customer, because if we don't love the customer, there's not going to be any customer. So that really is the number one goal. But then the second number one goal, uh, which means we have two number one goals, is to love the team. Because if we don't love the team, if we don't respect our team, then there's not going to be anybody to love the customers. So they're both equally important, loving the team and loving the customer. That being said, if we do number one and number two really, really, really well, we're going to get to be very successful. There's no question about that. And I can tell you, Jim, and you, you, you feel free to correct me if you think I'm wrong, the number one enemy of a successful business enterprise, of a successful family, of a successful football team, the number one enemy is arrogance. Arrogance will ruin mm-hmm. more businesses, more families, more people than anything else. And so the number one enemy of a successful business enterprise is arrogance. And that's where you start to say, ah, I don't need this customer. He's just a jerk. Or I don't need this team member. He's just a jerk. Or she's just a jerk. And so our third goal, which was almost number one, is to keep it very, very, very humble. And I put three varies in there because um, it's so important to, be, to keep it humble, to keep it very, very, very humble. And so my boys who now run the business, I no longer, I'm no longer involved in the business. I've turned it over to them. They actually tried to change that, and they sat down. They had meeting after meeting after meeting about, okay, let's change these rules. Let's come up with something that's more up-to-date and more pertinent to today's world. And you know what? They couldn't come up with anything better. They couldn't. You know, so it stays. I mean, after all these years, love the customer, love the team, keep it very, very, very humble. So that's pretty cool. That's
that's why I'm speaking, I think, speaking to what you're saying, Jim. Sure. It's so simple. You don't, don't mess it up. Don't screw around with it. It's, it's simple and it's true, and, and that's what you need to keep the focus on. It's, it's hard to remove yourself sometimes as you're important to the game. You are important to the team, no question about that. Well, there's no I in team, there's a me. There's a, I'm important to the team, but I'm not more important than the team, and that's an important concept, a line that you need to to draw and not cross. Exactly. Exactly, yep. Jim, talk about your tunny side of sports weekly message. I just read the one on uh, Vin Scully. Uh, you've been writing that a long time, and people love sports stories and love sports. So it must be a, a you must have a great audience for that tunny side of sports. Well, thank you. It's it's been a great uh, labor of love for me. It's eleven years now. I've been writing a weekly column. It's five hundred ninety-six of them. I haven't missed a week in, in 11 years. And every Monday morning, it comes out on our local paper and goes to uh, subscribers on the constant contact. It's a simple email, tunnysideofsports.com. And, and what I try to do is take examples from the world of sports and transform them into positive messages for a more productive, for a better living. And people say, where, where do you get your material? And I, I quote Johnny Carson. I thought Johnny Carson had a great line. Somebody said, you do a monologue every night. You've been doing it for 30 years, a 15-minute monologue every every evening. Where do you get your material? And he said, as long as as long as long Ronald Reagan is president, I'll always have material. <laughs> <laughs> well, as long as, long as there are sports, uh, Tom, Jim, as long as there are sports, I'll always have material. Uh, the last one that came out uh, this this Monday on Vin Scully, that Vin is retiring now after 67, 67 years behind the microphone. Wow. And I met Vin Scully about 40 years ago, 1976. He, I was a superintendent of schools, and he called me. I'd met him before. I'd been to Dodger Games because I lived in Los Angeles during those times, and and I'd met him before, and he called me. He said, CBS has asked me to do football, and would you mind sitting down with me and going over some of the rules and the nuances and things that I should know as a, as a broadcaster? I mean, that's wow. the kind of guy Scully is doing his homework. And he had an analyst with me, George Allen, who was a former coach, and, and then later it was Hank Stram, both former coaches who knew football very well. But Vince wanted to know, Vinny wanted to know the, the, all of the rules and the background of it and how it came about and why we have this rule and why we have that. And so he and I met several times at Dodger Stadium and go over the, some of the rules before that 1976 season. He only worked seven years. And in 1982, January of 82, I happened to work the, the game, playoff game of the NFC between the Dallas Cowboys and the San Francisco 49ers. In the game they called the catch for Montana through the last desperate Hail Mary catch to Dwight, Dwight Clark. And Vince Scully, was, that was his last game. He did that game with Hank Stram, and I was the referee on the field. So we've had a long time relationship, and he'd been, a, been a, just a class guy. He's just a, you talked earlier about humility and not being important to, to the game. Well, nobody's more important than Vince Scully. People listen to him all the time. But he doesn't take that way. He's he's very very humble man. He's really an essence of humility, and so it's been a, a wonderful 40-year friendship with him, and uh, we will continue with it. 
Thank you. So each week I come up with some kind of a story uh, uh, and different things that have happened to me over the years or different people that I see or things that happen uh, right away. Things happen, maybe they'll happen on a on a weekday during game. And uh, I wrote one last week about Aaron Hill. Aaron plays third base for the Milwaukee Braves. He started a triple play. Now, you don't see triple plays very often. Double plays, yes, in baseball, not triple. And Aaron had a triple play. The ball hit sharply to third. He went to second, went to first, triple play. Three outs, innings over. Aaron just turned and walked to the dugout. He didn't jump up and down. He didn't holler at anybody. He didn't pound his chest. He didn't look at me type of thing. Hey, that was my job. My job is to start the triple play, and I did it. So I'm just going to walk off the field. I think that's a true example of a professional. Those things yeah, happen all the time. You, you watch them, and you, and you make an example of it so that somebody else can say, yeah, that's the way I want to play. I want to play like a guy like Aaron Hill. I want to be the humble like a Vince Scully. And that's the kind of examples that we try to do in the in the tiny side of sports. Exactly. And, uh, yeah, uh, uh, I love it. I was reading your one from the week before, and that was talking about my boy, Jose Batista, getting in the brawl in the uh, baseball Toronto Blue Jays game. So i uh, got to read that a little further because it, it applies to my team. Uh, but I just signed up for it myself, and as you said, the website's pretty easy, tunnysideofsports.com, so people, I recommend you go to that. The other one is pretty it's easy free. as well. And it's free, right? My dad says my dad says free is good. So free, free is, good. is good. So go to that and you can find him of course at jimtunney.com T U N N E Y for Tunney. Uh and so uh Jim, what about uh uh football coaches? Was there a couple of them where even despite maybe yelling at you, you admired or you became friends with or you got to know better than others? I think at a time, and I worked for probably over uh, 300 NFL coaches in the 31 years that I was on the field. They're they're class people. You get to be a head football coach of the National Football League. You are you are a first-rate person, and they all right. were that way. And many are more emotional than others. Uh, Bud Grant was a very non-emotional person. Tom Landers was a non-emotional person. But you would take a John Madden or a Don Chula or a Vince Lombardi or people like that, very excitable type of people. And, and you just need to, again, self-control. Uh, Don Chula and I become very, very close friends and traveled together and spoke on, on many platforms together. And I said, I've always said you get to know somebody best either through a confrontation or a love affair. Well, Don Chula and I never had a love affair, but we had a lot of confrontations. <laughs> so we... We developed a, a great friendship over the years with he and, and uh, just uh, oh guys about six months ago just before he died Bum Phillips who coached the Houston Oilers called me he is in Beaumont Texas he called me and I said he said Jim I said yes yeah, Bum Phillips I said hi Bum how you been he said you know I just sitting around here talking to my wife and thinking about you and all the friend, all the times we had together. I just want to call and see how you're doing. <laughs> Whoa, that's terrific, brother. What a nice yeah, couple. Cool. And that's the kind of that's the kind of relationship that uh, and I built that with in, in Pittsburgh. Built that with uh, with uh, Chuck Noll and also with Dan Rooney. Dan Rooney is a, oh. a wonderful friend. Uh, in fact, uh, uh, you mentioned the Hall of Fame. I'm I'm a nominee for the 2000 class of 17. And Dan Rooney wrote a nice letter to me one time. He said, if they ever 
have an official in the NFL Hall of Fame, the first one ought to be Jim Tunney. Now, I, we just did that through a, a professional relationship. I never asked him for anything. He just decided to volunteer, something like that. And I think that's what officials do. That they're really that we have. I'm working now, as you mentioned earlier. I'm working now with the younger officials, and, and that's the thing. I'm not so concerned about whether they call the foul and holding or not call. I'm not worried about that. I'm worried about their concerned about their leadership. What can we do about them making better leaders of their team and their people and in a relationship with coaches? Coaches, they all want to win, and only one's going to win at the end of the game. But you can develop a relationship with both the winner and the loser just the way you handle yourself. And again, back to we started the program with self-control, dealing with them and knowing that, that you respect them and, and they'll respect you. But that respect is, the, for me, the number one. I don't care whether they like me or not, as long as they respect what I'm, I'm assigned to do. Wow. Well, Jimmy's talking about one of your guys there, Art Rooney, the chief of uh, founder of the yeah. Pittsburgh Steelers. Well, yeah, the Rooneys are, you know, and 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 down through the lines, you know, Mr. Rooney Senior and then Dan Rooney, and there's, I believe, Art the Third. I'm, I don't know, I'm not sure about that, but there's always a second. I think there's the second might be Dan's brother. But anyways, they're they're. You never, they're just highly regarded people in every way, shape, or form. They really are, and uh, they always have been. I mean, they just are, they're just, that's the Roonies. And uh, and I'm sure, Jim, you can relate to around the NFL as far as ownership's, ownership is concerned. They project a different uh, feeling for, uh, in general, than the average owner does. And uh, we're very fortunate to have that, them in the city of Pittsburgh, for sure. They've been a class family, Jim, in the NFL for years, along with the the Maris and and New York people like that who who really believe in football. They're just not owners, but they believe that in football and all the values and and strengths that it can bring. And even with the difficulties that we're having now with the concussions and difficulties in the NFL, because the players are getting so much bigger and stronger and faster, other Rooneys have held their head very high, and they're very, very important to the National Football League. Excellent. Uh, Jim, I was looking at uh, some of the programs you offer, and the one that struck me as uh, being different than what I thought or not being part of it is the wellness one. Uh, but so important, of course, and you have a number of suggestions in there about exercise and sleep and maintain your sense of humor. That's part of wellness as well. Uh, talk about that program because it's one that we all need to be involved with. We all need to take care of our own wellness as part of being responsible for our life. Uh, but how did that program come about and, and talk about it a little bit because it, it is so important. And it's one that I said, as I said, I was a little surprised. Oh, wow, a wellness program from Jim Tunney. It probably evolved from my playing on the playground until the darkness set in and I had to get home for dinner. <laughs> I was always, always on the playground playing whatever sport. In fact, in California, because we don't have a lot of different seasons, I thought there were just three seasons, football, basketball, and baseball. <laughs> That's the way the seasons change. When you change the size of the ball, you change the season. And so I've always played sports like that. I was a physical education major at Occidental College. I taught PE, taught physical education in the schools. And uh, and I thought an official on the football field ought to look like an athlete. So in order to look like an athlete, 
you've got to be an athlete, and I, I, I feel very fortunate that at this age, I'm, I'm the same weight as I did when I graduated from college some, some 60 years ago, so I, I work at it every day. In fact, when we finish here, I'll, I'll go to work out. I work out three to five days a week, and I usually do weight training or uh, walk on the treadmill. I don't run on the streets anymore. I've had both hips replaced, so I don't run anymore. But but uh, maintaining some sort of physical being helps your mind as well. Uh, I think the, the, it's called uh, uh, men's sano in corpus sano, a sound mind and a sound body. And that's one of the reasons I write is because it, it helps my thinking and, and, and my writing. And then I work out every day to keep my physical condition in good shape. Uh, and so while I'm the same weight as I did, I'm not the, the weight has shifted now. <laughs> but I, I, I work, I work out to keep my my physical as well as my mental attitude. I think uh, people say, well, you know, at the end of the day, I'm tired. I said, well, just do something in, for 20, 30 minutes a day, whether it's uh, riding on a stationary bicycle or, or going for a walk or or swimming in a pool or whatever it is, and you'll find that you'll get your energy back. They, you know, many people remember the the bottled thing called Geritol, and if you look at the bottom of the, of the <laughs> bottle, it says for tired tired blood. Well, blood doesn't get tired; it loses oxygen, and if you work out, that oxygen comes back into the blood, and, and you get your energy back. Right. Let me speak to that one, Jim, because uh, myself as well, I am big on exercising. Uh, of all the things I post on social media, people, when I meet them in person, the most they talk about is my exercises that I post on. I've uh, had rheumatoid arthritis since I'm five from my jaw to my mm. toe, and I've, I've had four hips, four knees, and two shoulders replaced. So like you, well, I can walk oh, like maybe goodness. 20 I can walk maybe 20 minutes on pavement, but I could walk an hour on a treadmill a lot easier. And then I do mm-hmm. pool, pool exercise. I can't swim. My arms and legs don't have enough range of motion, but I walk lengths of the pool with some webbed gloves on and I do some weights in the pool and then the third one is weightlifting just before this interview at 12 o'clock I went mm-hmm. to lift weights and and uh, yet I have a built-in excuse every single day I'm I'm sore 24 7 so uh, I have a built-in excuse not to work out but I do it because uh, it helps with my energy level my thinking my life in general and there's really no excuse not to three four times a week get busy doing something and i i love that you put in maintain maintain your sense of humor as well well yeah i think that's uh, life is uh can be very complicated if you if you take an all seriousness but but every day is a blessing, and we've said that so many times in the 17 biblical principles of, of enjoying every day in life and, 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 and having fun with it, because that's what, what life is all about, is to have fun. I don't think you have to be serious all the time, and so I, I enjoy that part of it. I do as well. A lot of times things that happen to me, I think, oh, God must have a sense of humor. I drop things a lot. I don't know why, and I can't bend down to pick them up. So I often think, oh, God has a sense of humor. He's going to try and watch me pick this up or figure out how to pick it up. And Yeah, <laughs> if you can keep a sense of humor, especially about yourself and your adversities, uh, you know that there's always hope in your future, and so important. And I'm glad you talk about the importance of exercise. Hey, Jim Shorky, are you an exercise guy? 
I am, yeah, big time. Also, you know, it's interesting, and I just want to recommend a book to you guys. Um, I uh, My goal has been for years to live to be 100 years old, and so that's the goal. That's the primary goal, to live to be 100 years old. And actually, the oldest recorded um, living human being is 122 years old, and I uh, read about her in a book that I got called The uh, the 100-Year Plan or something like that. But anyways, so my new goal is to live to be 122 because I figure if she can do it, I can do it. That being said, <laughs> there's a book that was written by a guy, his name is Luigi, L-U-I-G-I, Cornero, C-O-R-N-A-R-O. He lived 400 years ago, and he wrote this book on, and he lived to be 102, as I recollect. That being said, there's a guy locally to my business, he's actually in the car business, and he's 99 years old, and he's still in the car business. And so my uncle got me this article about this guy, and I, I scanned it real quick, and, you know, and but I didn't really read it. And so I've been doing this uh, research on a speech that I want to deliver on my success principles, and, and health is a big part of what I do. So I decided to go read this article. Long story short, I read, read the article, and, and he talks about this book, this little yellow book that he's been carrying around with him for since uh, he's 99, so it would have been like, um, for like 90 years. And he bought this book, you know, 90 years ago for $5. And it's a little yellow book, and he explains what it is. It's written by Luigi Cornero. So I'm a big, I'm a big believer in success always leaves clues, you know. So, okay, this guy's 99. I want to be 100, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to get the book. So I go online, and I go to a place called Biblio.com, which is an old book site. And, I, and, I, and sure enough, this little yellow book pops up. I'll have to show it to you sometime, Tom. You'll, you'll appreciate this. But anyways, and it says how to live. 100 years old, and it's it's a story about um, about number one, you never eat anything that disagrees with you, never. So that's rule number one. Number two, it's a calorie restriction diet. We eat too much food as human beings, and because we eat so much food, it affects our health. And so so it's a diet restriction diet, and uh, and then and then it talks about exercise. And so I I just want to make the point that you know. The, the, there, there's reasons why people are successful, and there's reasons why they're not successful. And one of the big one, um, uh, Jim, is is you know where do, you have to have something to light the fire with, and so kind of a what's the word I'm looking for? Kind of a um, of a of a, of a, of a, of a half-assed way of explaining the situation. But the bottom line is is that back 400 years ago, there was none of this processed food crap that we eat. So right off the bat, you have to say. You know, no Fritos, no pretzels, no – all this box stuff is going to be against this plan. The plan is to eat really good, high-quality vegetables, fruits, seeds, all this different stuff. But I, I just um, – I would recommend you guys try to get up with that book. I think you'd find it very interesting. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. Uh, I'm the same thing if I – Tom, if I may follow up, uh, the book that you bought, uh, Tim – I bought a book for 25 cents uh, some 40 years ago by Victor Frankel called Man's Search for uh, Meaning. And, beautiful and book. It's yeah, a great I've, book. I've read that multiple times. That is a great, about, great, great, great book. Yeah. It, it yeah. talked about attitude. It's about, it's about what, the That's where sense of humor comes from. Yep. Right, yep. right. If you can yep. maintain yep. your sense of humor and your attitude. That yep. was an amazingly powerful book. Hard to read. Hard to read what people do to other people. But to imagine, yeah. well, you know, you've, surviving. you've got an amazing guy on this phone right now, Tom. You, you're, you're an amazing guy. 
and you have a very severe disability. And, you know, we can talk all the romance about it that we can. I mean, you have a severe disability, and the way you handle that disability is remarkable, remarkable. And give yourself a pat on the back for that because it is remarkable. And um, I would hope that I would do the same thing. That would be my goal, but, I mean, I don't have the same condition you have, and I think you're remarkable, and that's really what this discussion is all about is how you handle life. You should be the one being interviewed. (laughs) Thanks, Jim. My wife has an amazing term that I love. She wants it in the dictionary. It's it's handy capable. She says, you're not handicapped. You can do you can do anything everyone else can. You may have to do it differently and slower, but you're handy capable. Yeah. So uh, that's sure. it. When you look when you look at life that way, then it's a lot more fun to be handicapped or handy capable. Well, thanks, guy, Tom. And you're really what this conversation is about. And I think Jim would back would would back me up on that. We need more people like you in the world. I mean, it's easy when you run a you know four one four. Not easy, but you run a 4140, you're going to get recognition, you know. But what you do is mm-hmm. really, really impressive, and I'm, I want to say that's very impressive, very impressive. All right. Thanks, Jim. Now, Mr. Jim Tunney, why don't you finish off by giving Jim Shorkey a one-minute presentation on why he should join the National Speakers Association? Amazing well, organization. Well, I started the speaking, when I joined the NFL in 1960, I belonged to the local Kiwanis Club. And the guy said, why don't you come down and tell us, um, you know, what do they talk about in the huddle and tell us some what he called jockstrap stories. <laughs> and I started doing that. And, and, and I thought, you know, that's not enough. So the thing I wanted to write and talk about is people. So one of the first pieces I wrote, uh, I guess 50-some years ago, was called The Game is People. I talked about uh, George Hallis, who uh, invented the game. He's like meeting Tom Edison. He invented the NFL right. got it going. And, and Vince Lombardi in the early 60s and how well, how successful. He wasn't successful in the beginning, as was not Tom Landry. Tom Landry, when he started with the Dallas Cowboys in 1960, didn't get into a playoff for five years. And so it, it took him that long. And I talk about people who overcome those kind of difficulties and, and, and enjoy that. And I thought, you know, I need to improve my skills. If I'm going to stand up there in front of 25 or 25 people or 2,500 people, I want to improve my skills. So I, I joined the National Speakers Association. They're not a booking agency. They, don't, they didn't give me one speech in the 40 years that I belonged to them. But they've helped me improve my platform skills and my material to, re, to how I organize it and how I present it to the others. It's kind of like in the writing that I do. You need to capture their attention first. In fact, one of the lines that I use in speaking a lot, when people introduce me and they talk about the Super Bowls, they talk about the different games that I've worked, they talk about the 31 years, they talk about all the people I met and give me a great, wonderful introduction, and I come up and say, well, they did leave out one thing. When I joined the NFL in 1960, I uh, took an entrance exam, and I have the highest score ever recorded. I got 98 out of 100. The only thing I failed in was eyesight and judgment. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> people thinking, well, he, you know, this guy's this guy human. You need yourself to be human on, on the platform, and not, not like you've come from some some Mount Sinai or someplace. It's just that they, they want a human being to talk to them at their level, at the level of their thinking, and, and so you, you don't give a speech for your preference. You give a speech for their importance and how they can how they can learn from that. Just the same thing they do with the Tunney side of sports. What can they learn from a, 
uh, a short lesson on Vin Scully, for example. And that's right. the same thing in speaking. How, how can you how can you get the audience thinking that they can do something better than they're doing now? Excellent. And that's, that's why great. you should join the National that's Speakers great. Association. Amazing. Thanks yeah. for your time today. Tom, uh, Tom's, always, Tom's always selling. Do you ever notice that about Tom? He's always <laughs> selling. He does. Always. Yeah. And that's he what, does a good that's job. What, that's what I love about you, Tom. You're, you're always selling, brother. I mean, I love that. I think that's great. <laughs> well, the National Speakers Association, amazing organization. And uh, to be a past <laughs> president, your Hall of Fame. Tom, can you shoot? Can you shoot me an email as to how I would go about doing that? I will uh, find the link for you and I'll send it to you. And uh, what an amazing organization to join! And the people you'll meet will be uh, incredible there as well, right, Jim? And Jim, if you need me, uh, Jim you, and Jim dot com. If I if I can help, right. you, I'll be glad to help you. Amazing. I promise I'll you, I will take you guys both up on an offer. I will join. I promise you, I will. Good. When I when I send you the links, to, when I send you the links to this uh, interview, Jim, I'll uh, copy Jim Shorkey in it, and if he has any questions, he can let you know. Thanks so much for your time today, Jim. I appreciate it so Thank much. You. Uh, Tom, appreciate that. Pretty exciting to talk to someone that I watched for so many years, and uh, thank you for participating in the seventeen biblical principles of success program. Uh, Phil did an amazing job with that, and that's truly uh, the purpose for our life. I call my purpose a God-given purpose. We're here for a purpose, and thank you for participating in that program. Pleasure. Have an amazing, have Pleasure. an amazing day, Jim Turkey. Take care. Thank you for listening to this episode of Journey to Success Radio. If you or anyone you know would like to be interviewed for the show, email Tom at TomTooTall.com for details.